0: podcast Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter. Longtime BOL Staffers with you this time on Monday, May the 24th, 2021, and we have a special outdoors edition of the Bama online podcast for you because Charlie Potter here is fresh off a kayaking expedition. So, now to add to the football exploits at the high school level that we have talked with Charlie about in the past, both on radio and here on the podcast, we now have to sort of delve into this X Games aspect of Charlie Potter that I didn't really know about, Charlie. I didn't know that you were such the the outdoorsman until really this last weekend.
1: Yeah, I thought my enthusiastic response <laughs> before we recorded would have given the, the vibe that <laughs> that wasn't the case, but here we are. Uh, uh, uh I mean it it's fun to get out and do stuff like that. I like going up uh to the lake. I mean, being from Marshall County, you know, Gunnersville's just a hop, skip and a jump away. And uh yeah, I grew up with family members with the boats and stuff, so that's pretty much the norm. I'm I'm not just the biggest outdoorsman. I like it in doses, I guess. But Do you have
0: I, a Swiss Army knife, Charlie, in your possession? Do you have one of those? Um,
1: I have an old beer stein. My my grandfather like, used <laughs> to pocket knives I'm, i think there's at least one or two in there but they're more just they're heirlooms at this point i don't have it as it's not in use it's not for recreational
0: birth. there's always that one relative that on christmas gives you a pocket knife do you have that relative i did well i was, I was um, gifted a pocket knife I, I couldn't tell you where in the hell it is in <laughs> 2021 but at some point in the last decade i have been gifted a pocket knife
1: I have I, I used to be able to pick them out because he had such a big collection and you know some of them would be kind of novelty knives so I would just pick those out cuz I just I thought they were cool um but just in terms of that annual you can expect it uh back when I lived in at home in, in Boaz there was a guy at our church that would always you know gift the teenagers knives and I'm sure most of their mm-hmm. parents were appreciative of that to give uh, them like camouflage knives and stuff like that. I, I still have a few of those, but not family member wise. It was just more, um, you know, he had his knives in a, in a glass cabinet on display kind of deal. And, um, uh, I have most of them now since he's gone, but never really just a close family member that, that handed those out. And I'll have to, now that you got me thinking, I'll have to dig through it when we're done to, to see how many Swiss army knives are in there.
0: There you go. I had a late, I have a late grandfather, my mother's father, Probably I was five or six years old. We had a lake place down in Florida and I couldn't have been more than six. He give, he uh, gifted me a machete. You know, he kind of <laughs> skipped, he skipped right past the old pocket knife thing. Paul Paul did. And he gives me this machete and it was just, it turned that lake place into Disney world for me. I went around, I think he knew what he was doing because I probably cleared like two and a half acres for him with that thing. You know, the thing was I was six, uh, but fortunately I'm sitting here looking right now, and yes, I do in fact have all ten digits left. I'm not sure how, um, but yeah, I kind of skipped the pocket knife stage, I guess, with Paul Paul. He uh, he hooked me up with a machete at at a, at a at a very very young age. We are going to get around to some actual University of Alabama athletics here <laughs> in just a minute. We're going to talk a lot, as you might expect, about summer enrollees and really. For the first time in advance of the 2021 college football season, and for that matter, college basketball as well, you're getting your teams together. Now, as best we can understand, there's still a couple of three guys at the time of this taping from the football perspective that trying to confirm their exact whereabouts. uh, Certainly, Hank South for us, Charlie, has done an outstanding job in leading us up to this point with the newcomers and with the transfer portal uh, working the way it has, you got Jamison Williams, uh, Jack Martin, and special teams as a punter coming in from Troy. Henry Toa Toa, obviously. So, I guess at this point on Monday afternoon, the best way we know how to put it before we, again, get more specific with uh, the the enrollees and kind of the positions they're going to impact. Uh, still forming, I guess, for for a few of these guys. Still still coming together the the roster.
1: Yeah, it is. And and you mentioned Hank. I mean, he's all over this. You know, I, I text him probably a week and a half two weeks ago and in advance of these guys getting on campus and you know offered to take some of it off the shoulders because i know there's you know there's 13 freshmen coming in you have the transfers you have basketball so i talked to a couple guys and i know dallas turner um who's the the highest rated guy that's coming in as a summer enrollee he left um fort Lauderdale on saturday so he's already in town most of these guys are again though you know i think for the most part the, the summer enrollees, um, the, in, well, backtracking a little bit of the guys that signed and committed with Alabama, uh, the guys that enrolled early were probably the the better interviews that are easier to get on the phone. So that's why I think it's just taking a little bit of time to, to confirm a few of these, but for the most part, you know, guys started getting in over the weekend. And I know I talked to Kyrie Jackson and he initially told me he was going to be getting down today. I think he got in uh, you know, over the weekend or at least started heading this way, um, and then you have you know the the transfers. I think Jameson Williams has already made it to campus. I think with Henry Toa they're still you know it, I don't think his commitment or anything is in question, but he's just taking his time, of course, with the SEC. Um, still waiting to to hear from them. But for the most part, the the guys are either on campus or en route. And so I think you know by the middle of the week, most of these guys will be accounted for, and I, I don't think there's anything to worry about from. You know, an, an academic or anything standpoint like that. But you're right. I mean, you're getting to the point now. It's the end of May. Um, the roster is coming together. You're going to see the the complete Alabama team that we should see in the fall. They're going to start doing some uh, some workouts with Dr. Ray and and David Ballou. and then you know you'll get into some some player run practices and things like that. And before we know it, we'll be into preseason camp. So it's an exciting time. I know people are always eager to to read about these summer enrollees and. We've had a few of them go on the record and talk about it leading up to this. But again, uh, a few still TBD, but I don't think there's anything to worry about. It's just a matter of time before they get to Tuscaloosa and confirm
0: it. Yeah, the tornado sirens in Tuscaloosa aren't going off or anything as of yet in relation to some TBDs, as Charlie referred to them, on the football front. And Charlie rarely does the arrival of a basketball player Uh, an enrollee on the men's hoop side really even come close to matching up with the buzz of summer enrollees where football is concerned. But J.D. Davison is continuing a trend here over the last three or four years. I guess Colin Sexton uh, you could put in that camp certainly uh, a few years back. But uh, J.D. Davison, I think as many Alabama fans – are as excited about that guy getting on campus as any of the football guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a five-star recruit. I think he's in the top ten nationally in the 24-7 sports composite. You know, big explosive guard that just his highlights from high school are just so fun to watch because it seems like he's just dropping 50 every night and he has at least three highlight dunks every time he touches the court. But I think there's a lot of excitement there because I think the guard spot, even though you're losing uh, a guy like John Petty, uh, who is the all time leader or uh, program leader in threes? Um, the guard spot's going to be in good hands with uh, Javon Quinterly coming back. I think you know Jaden Shackelford, uh, once he kind of goes through the NBA draft process, will probably be back in town. Uh, you're going to add JD Davison to the mix. You're going to add an Amari Burnett. Uh, you have Keon Ellis coming back. I think there's a lot of excitement there. You know, still TBD on what's going to happen with Josh Primo, but. Um, Alabama's gonna have some really talented guards and I think a lot of people are excited to finally see Davidson in an Alabama uniform, along with the rest of this class. They're gonna have five newcomers coming in and um, you know, Charles Bediako, Jason Holt, you know, they're coming in as true freshmen. All of those guys are top one hundred recruits, so another stellar job on the recruiting trail by Nate Oates and his staff, but yeah, it's he's the crown jewel of this class and you know, pairing him on the court maybe at the same time as a Javon Quinterly—that's that's, that's going to be pretty exciting to watch. I know Alabama fans are are eager to get him on campus and to see what he can do.
0: Yeah, a nationally ranked top ten class for Nate Oates in his second recruiting effort on the job. The previous year, Alabama twelfth nationally, so getting the job done, no doubt about it. And again, that's before you factor in. The work being done with the transfer portal, as you noted, Noah Gurley coming in from Furman, Namari Burnett coming in from Texas Tech. And kind of interesting, perhaps, Charlie, that over the weekend, we saw Nate Oates echo the sentiments of the Alabama men's basketball Twitter account in wishing a happy birthday to a particular former junior college transfer. Uh note that perhaps some people had wondered aloud, would he be a part of this program moving forward? And what did you take from that, Charlie, if anything, over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was James
1: Rojas's birthday. Um, you know, they they wished happy birthdays I believe to Alex Reese and, and James Rojas in back to back days, but the verbiage was was clearly different. Um, you know, all accounts are that uh, Alex Reese is, you know, moving on and turning pro. I believe he actually signed with an agency on Monday, so that's, you know, he hasn't had any kind of formal announcement. But, you know, talking about James Rojas being a, a part of this program again, and you know, I I will admit that in just speculating on my own, when you looked at the roster and noticed that Alabama was won over, even with, um, you know, uh, Wilson moving on and and uh, getting out of his letter of intent, that maybe James Rojas would be the odd man out just because we didn't see him a lot down the stretch. I don't believe he played in the last uh, game in the Sweet 16. And so it, the writing almost seemed like it was on the wall, but it, it doesn't seem like that anymore. you know, just talking to people. It sounds like he's going to be, you know, part of this team. And, you know, then you kind of turn your attention to, well, Alabama still won over They're at 14 players. So somebody has to go and you look at the guys that are, you know, testing the NBA draft waters. Again, I, I think that, Alabama expects a guy like Jaden Shackleford to come back. You don't blame him for going out and and getting feedback, but uh, he probably still needs another year. And then the buzz with Josh Primo of being a guy Mm -hmm. that has been in a lot You know, mock drafts aren't the end-all, be-all, but the fact that they're in there, a lot of these guys are talking to teams, they have their own intel – and Josh Primo is a guy that's been in a few mock drafts it is high up as in the first round. So that's going to be something to watch moving forward because if Primo stays in the draft, then of course Alabama's right at where it needs to be from a, a roster's number standpoint. So yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see that, you know, talking about James Rojas and again, just hearing from UA, it, it sounds like they expect him to, to be a part of this team. So there's still a lot of time before Josh Primo has to decide whether to take his name out of the draft or not. I believe the, the deadline is mid-July. So we have a little bit to go before we probably figure out how this team is going to look going into the 2021 season.
0: Now with that, we're going to take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, as promised, we'll get a little more specific with summer enrollees and how they could impact position groups and perhaps – the potential to see some of these newcomers on a at least semi-weekly basis once the 2021 college football season gets underway. It's coming up next when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier and Charlie Potter with you on Monday, May the 24th. 2021 and understanding, Charlie, that we sort of laid out the scenario as we know it as of today. um, Let's get into some of these summer enrollees. And I know you did the great piece for us there at BamaOnline.com with Dallas Turner, the five-star weak side defensive end. And I guess when you see a guy 6'4", 245, listed as a weak side defensive end, that's probably more 4-3 related, as we know, in Alabama's defense, those measurables, the skill set he brings to the table, sounds almost like another Will Anderson in some ways, Charlie.
1: Yeah, I mean, talking to him, he said he's up to six-four-two-fifty, 250, and you just look at the roster, you know, Chris Allen's six-four-two-fifty-two. 252. Um, that's very comparable in size. Um, I don't know when the last time they, they updated Will Anderson's numbers. It's probably been since last season, so he's Quite a little heavier now. He's 6'4, 235. So he's right there in the mix. Um, it would make sense for him to be a, a Jack linebacker at the next level. I don't think he's going to just put on a ton more weight. Um, he might even slim down a bit once he gets to campus. But um, I, I think that he's a guy that, in talking to him, it's really interesting because he's coming from a, a very successful program at St. Thomas Aquinas. He played for a defensive coordinator in Jason Taylor, who has experience playing under Nick Saban. So he's been on him about just how to carry himself as a player. But then he goes and, you know, he's a top 10 player. You know, it sounds like we're saying that a bunch with basketball and football, but he's the number eight overall recruit. And he sees what Chris Allen and Will Anderson uh, did this past season, especially Will Anderson as a true freshman. And he says, if he can do it, why can't I? So I think, He's a guy that is, is really intriguing because Alabama is pretty set at outside linebacker, at least at the top two. And then we know they have guys like Drew Sanders. We saw Chris Braswell have a really good 8A game. Um, you know, King Makuta right there in the mix as well. Um, you know, it, it's it's a guy coming in is going to at least, at the very least, provide quality depth but he's a guy that thinks he can come in and produce and help Alabama win some games. So to have that kind of mindset from a player of his caliber, I think is huge. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with him in terms of a, a role this fall, but he's the guy coming in as at the top of the list in terms of ratings uh, of the summer enrollees. And I think if he puts his mind to it, he's a guy that's going to, you know, make some noise this fall, at least from a depth perspective, because you know, he sees, you know, what, he sees the the blueprint of what he can do and he's coming in ready from a size perspective.
0: Yeah, we talk about being physically ready at sort of an early age and advanced in that regard. Dallas Turner fits that Bill. Damon Payne, another five star when you talk about the front seven, uh, the Michigan native, six three and a half right at three hundred pounds easy to think about him as more of a nose tackle type but we see them cross train those guys we talk about it on the offensive line a lot but you'll see guys more and more in this era with pass rush such a big part of things too um you know ends that will move inside some nose tackles that'll play a little more of a three tech or a two tech and uh, maybe even also get some work at uh, defensive end, I guess Damon Payne, and you watch his tape from high school, he was he was an exceptional two-way player on the line of scrimmage, really good offensive lineman as well. But uh, I guess when you think about his primary position, you think DJ Dale, Tim Smith, those kind of guys, Jamil Burroughs, I would think.
1: Yeah, and um, you, you, you just look at the defensive linemen that are coming in. There are three of them, and they're all big dudes. You know, Damon Payne's listed at about 6'4", 297. Tim Keenan's 6'2", 330. Anquan Barnes is 6'5", 299. All those guys, I think, can play uh, nose. Obviously, Tim Keenan is, is built to play nose. So like you said, I think a guy like Payne can can kind of fill a role that we've seen past defensive linemen uh, fill. You know, we've seen guys like... Sean Robinson, and Jaron Reed, they've played inside and outside. Uh, Jonathan Allen's done in the past, even though he came in a little smaller than these guys. Um, you know, Quinton Williams has played outside. I think with guys like Dale and Tim Smith and even uh, Keenan coming in, I know he's coming off an injury, but they seem like more uh, true nose guards. But I think Payne and, and Barnes, the guys that are coming in in the summer, they have some flexibility, and that's good for defensive for this defensive line because there's just a ton of players with a, a lot of experience that are going to be seeing the field. I think the rotation is going to be pretty big. Um, you have LeBron Ray, Fidarian Mathis is the veterans there, uh, DJ Dale, Justin Boyby, Byron Young. They're all entering their third years, and they've seen a lot of football in the last several years. Then you add in Tim Smith, who – Showed a lot of promise as a true freshman. You know, that's six right there. That's not including guys like um, like stefan Wynn. That's not including a guy like jamarian Latham who played well in the day game. So uh, I think these young guys are going to come in and compete. Payne, you know, they're at the top of that. But the fact that he can probably move around helps him because there's so many guys that can fill so many roles. And the more you can do, you know, the more you can see the field. So I'll be interested to see. Kinda, of, you know, hopefully we're out there for for practice one from a media viewing standpoint. I'll be really interested to see how these young defensive linemen kinda of line up and, and where they're working.
0: Yeah, Monkel Goodwine we caught a little bit of a glimpse of on A Day. Um and he's more of an end uh Goodwine. He's kinda of the other way. He can play the the base end position, then go inside in some pass rush situations. So It is a very deep defensive line class and just stockpiling on an area where there is already a good bit of existing depth. The running back position, Kamar Wheaton, certainly making a big splash there as a five-star signee, uh, listed at 5'11", 190, uh, has obviously breathtaking open field ability as a legitimate track star. So a big playability, I guess, first and foremost. You're thinking with Kamar Wheaton and projecting him to this. Again, we talked about it. A deep position in and of itself at running back.
1: Yeah, I think running back's the the real strength of the offense, just in terms of experience and depth and talent. Um, you have Brian Robinson back the number two running back the last two seasons, and you know it can be a, a true number one for Alabama. But it, I think they'll go with more of a by committee approach and and not really lean on the shoulders of a guy like Najee Harrison and, and that bodes well for a guy like Kamar Wheaton because you know the the more guys get in the rotation you know the more chances you have to maybe be uh, or get a piece of that pie so you know, I, I think guys like Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams will certainly be in the mix you know we'll see what happens with Trey Sanders and how he continues to to heal from that hip injury he sustained in the car accident you know last season mm-hmm. and then you know Keelan Robinson coming back you know that's that's big and terms of just having, like you said, that home run ability. Um he's a guy that was listed for a little bit, at least briefly, as a running back and a wide receiver on the roster so they can move him all around. And, you know, if if, if Robinson, Keelan, that is, is filling that kind of Jack of All Trades role and obviously uh maybe being a part of the return game and then you have a Trey Sanders that is still recovering from that injury then the doors open for a guy like Kamar Wheaton behind guys like Brian Robinson and Jason McClellan and Roydell Williams. So, you know, he's coming into a loaded room, but you know, there's there's plenty of opportunities, I think, for those guys to to split carries and um, I'll be really interested to see just how he kinda you know fits in and, and where he starts out. I imagine it's probably Near the back of the line, he's a lone freshman coming in, but he's talented and uh, he's obviously not afraid of competition coming into this loaded room, and I, I think that'll bode well, you know, for the future of the position.
0: Another area where Alabama has really hit it hard on the recruiting trail the last two cycles, and you would expect this given the production, the historic production that has left the program in each of the last two seasons, JoJo Earl. The Texan at wide receiver position, the comparisons to Jalen Waddle, and you know maybe he's going to be able to impact things the way Waddle did a couple of three years ago, and you know, and then you also add a grad train, excuse me, a, a traditional transfer in Jamison Williams from Ohio State. So between Earl and the arrival of Williams to go along with the three early enrollees uh, we saw in the spring. Uh, there there's 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 a lot to sort out still, it feels like in terms of that rotation, Charlie. but there are definitely a lot of guys from which to choose if you're Holman Wiggins.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know wide receiver, I think is the one position that's still just up in the air. you know I, I think we obviously expect. Uh, John Mechie to be the number one option there. And he didn't go through the spring because of injury. And that would have been the case had he been healthy. But I think the rest is, is up for grabs. And, you know, I, I think you, you have the guys that are coming back. You know what you have in guys like Slade Bolden and Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, Thayer Jones-Bell, Xavier Williams. And then you had these young guys. You had the guys that went through spring practice, whether that was Ja'Cory Brooks, Jai Hall, uh, Christian Leary only saw one of those guys in the spring game and the giant hall and, and he did some good things, but you add in Jojo Earl and Jamison Williams to that mix and, and that's a talented group. I think that's why you see a guy. I, I know it didn't really make a lot of headlines or anything like that. I, I posted it on the board about, um, a guy in Joshua Lanier, the walk-on from here in Tuscaloosa, he transferred in from UNA. He's a guy that I think the coaches really like, and he played in seven games last year. He even showed off some some highlight tapes of uh, him uh, doing some work in practice against Alabama's defensive backs. He's moving on through the transfer portal. I think that kind of shows how, what they feel and what they have in uh, these young guys at receiver. And I think the guys coming in this summer are going to have legitimate shots to to see the field and have you know, big-time roles. Jamison Williams, you know, the, the transfer from Ohio State, he wasn't brought in just for shits and giggles. You know, he's a guy that is a true speed guy. And Nick Saban said it this spring. Uh, speed kills on the highway and on the football field, and they want more speed guys. Well, Jamison Williams brings that. I think JoJo Earl does too. So really fascinated to see what these two guys, you know, bring to the mix. Again, I think Mechie's obviously the, the number one. I think Slade Bolden has a ton of experience and will, will be a part of the offense. But I think the door is still open for these two newcomers to come in and to, to maybe seize opportunities you know, over the course of the summer.
0: Yeah, Earl projects more as an inside guy, I would think, initially. And like you said, with that speed with Williams, you can put him on the outside and you got a nice complement of summer enrollees there in Earl and Williams. You know, there was so much talk about Ja'Quincy McKinstry – in the spring that you kind of forgot that the vast majority of the work Alabama did in the twenty twenty-one recruiting class where the defensive backfield is concerned wasn't going to get on campus until where we're at right now, late May. But Terrian Arnold, Kadarius Callaway, Kane Williams, Devonta Smith, Kyrie Jackson, who you had the opportunity to catch up with. Uh, a lot of guys coming in in the summer, and as we know, we've talked about it here on the podcast. Um, we tend to associate early impact guys with early enrollees, but we've seen guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and even more recently Brian Branch and some others you know, be a little bit later in the process in terms of getting on campus, but still showing up big in year one. Oh, yeah, no doubt.
1: Um, there, there's not a lot of opportunity here just in terms of first-team roles. Just because you have Josh Job coming back at corner, you have Jordan Battle and DeMarco Helms, and even Daniel Wright at the safety position and uh, Brian Branch and Malachi Moore are back after really solid freshman seasons. So you know the one true opening is at corner, and even though you know Jalen Armor Davis, I think played really, really well this spring, I think he's still right now the front runner. I think there's gonna be competition and uh you know Jaquincy McKinstry as an early enrollee think he did a lot of good things but Kyrie Jackson as a, a junior college transfer was brought in to to compete and hopefully play right away you know he's a guy that's a long corner he's six 6'3 uh, getting close to 200 pounds and you know, he's been working this off season on you know trying to uh, get out of awkward situations because of his height so that's always advantageous he hasn't played in a long time with the uh, junior college season you're know, getting canceled this past year so i think he's really eager to get on the field and, and show what he can do and you know a guy terry arnold is also uh he's a he's a versatile athlete he's really talented you know six foot 180 um uh, what is he a top 50 prospect in the country so yeah. he's he's coming in and should compete and i think the like you said it's 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 almost crazy to look at it that five of the six Chinese from a defensive back standpoint are coming in the summer. But like you said, I mean, the opportunities there to, even though you didn't go through spring, you can still get on the field. Brian branch and Malachi Moore did that last year. And um, it wouldn't surprise me to see when those young guys, you know, carve out a role in, in some degree, whether it's, you know, at, at safety at, at corner in the slot, you know course on special teams, maybe even in the return game. So uh, I'll be really interested to see how those guys you know find a role. But uh, certainly a, a a full group coming in. You have a full dime secondary coming in, and I think the coaches are pretty eager to get them all on campus.
0: Yeah, more versatility back there too. Because as we've outlined previously, and and right here on the pod, you know guys like. Arnold can play just about anywhere in the defensive backfield. Kadarius Callaway, you watch his high school tape. He kind of reminds you of Quincy Quincy McKintree, just the Mississippi version of it. And two-way player offensively. Callaway was great in high school. Kane Williams had an opportunity to catch up with him not too, too long ago here on the Bama Online Podcast. Great young person to talk to, very personable, 6'2", 205, maybe more of a Landon Collins type of safety prospect. Devonta Smith, more versatility, Kyrie Jackson, unusual size and length, as you outlined for us. So a little bit of everything on campus, hitting campus to go along with McKinstry for that next wave of the Alabama defensive backfield. Hey, let's talk. Kendrick Blackshire a little bit here a full-grown man the best way (laughs) I think to describe Kendrick the Texan who social media can't get enough of Kendrick Blackshire he does he looks like he's you know already been in the National Football League in terms of his physical attributes for about five or six years but you know he's coming in on the heels of what we saw from Deontay Lawson who was outstanding in the 8A game so safe to say uh, Alabama looks to be in good shape both right now uh, when you consider Henry Toa Toa is in this mix now uh, to go along with Christian Harris and Jalen Moody, just more as we've heard it referred to by Nick Saban, the rich get richer at another spot for this Alabama defense. Yeah. And inside linebacker depth, I don't think Alabama can ever have enough of that after what
1: happened a couple seasons ago with, with Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan going down, before the start of the season. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at, you're losing three guys in Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan and then Ali Kaho to transfer. And you're bringing in four with Henry Toa Toa, uh, Deontay Lawson, and Ian Jackson, and now uh, Kendrick Blackshire. And yeah, he, he is just, he's a specimen. He's a freak. And it, it's almost like the defensive equivalent of Bo Scarborough. Just looking at Bo Scarborough's pictures in high school before he got on campus, it just looks like he was made in a lab somewhere. Yeah, you got to check definitely. a birth
0: certificate, or yeah.
1: something, You know, yeah. It's like some kind of like Marvel superhero or something like that. So uh, I think obviously um, adding this uh, kind of depth is is great. Uh, again, given what um, happened a couple of years ago, I think Nick Saban and Pete Golden probably still wake up in a cold sweat, uh, <laughs> but then have a little bit of relief at looking at the depth they have at the inside linebacker position. And you know, Kendrick Blackshire is, is going to be tough with you know Christian Harris coming back. You have Henry toa now in the mix. I think he's going to obviously be battling there with Jalen Moody for that uh, spot opposite of Christian Harris. And then the young guys really showed out in the spring, whether it was the early enrollees. I thought uh, Demoy Kennedy had a good spring. Even Jackson Bratton showed some good things in the, the 8A game. So adding in a guy like Kendrick Blackshaw to that mix and then uh, Towa-toa as well. I mean, the Inside linebacker position is in really good hands after losing some some quality players this offseason.
0: Yeah, Ian Jackson, an early enrollee, I thought showed some flash in the 8A game. Kind of a Rashawn Evans type, potentially. Uh, both what you can do with him inside and maybe even in space, perhaps as a pass rusher in time. Yeah, it's a very, very impressive group. As we get out of here, can't forget the big guys on the offensive line. Um, and again, because of early enrollees, it's easy to semi forget or lose track of the fact that Alabama bringing in another big man on the offensive line, J.C. Latham, the Brocker Myers, Terrence Ferguson. We saw those guys in the spring, but this is a guy in Jaden Roberts who has a lot of potential in his own right at six, five, three hundred and forty pounds, former high school teammate a Damian George out there at North shore high school in Houston.
1: Yeah, he's a big body and I'd like to see him in person next to Jam- Damian George. Cause I remember the first time we <laughs> saw him, of course it wasn't in person, but it was on the videos Alabama put out. It was, it was tough to miss big 74. So I think there's something in the water there in Houston. These offensive linemen come in so big, but it's really the the opposite of the defensive backs. You had nearly every one of the wide receivers, or the um, offensive lineman, wide line receiver too, I guess. But offensive lineman on campus this spring, and you kind of forget about Jaden Roberts. And I don't think that's necessarily um, you know the right thing to do. He's a big body. Um, there's a lot of competition at those interior spots, though, so it's going to be kind of tough for him, especially not going through spring practice. But as we've showed, as we've said, I mean, guys have come in um, and been able to contribute early. And it's a little different because he came in from. Uh, a few years at Florida State, but uh, Landon Dickerson came in the day before preseason camp and, and locked down the starting spot pretty early. Uh, it, I think it's a little bit of a tougher road to hoe for Jaden Roberts, but again, he he brings depth to the position. Um, you know, I think the the second team offensive line obviously needed some help in the A game and throughout the spring, so maybe he can have an opportunity to to quickly climb, but. You know, he's another solid piece to of this offensive line class that's just really really impressive on paper because like you said you know jc latham and tommy brockermeyer you're know, really the, the highlights of the class two top five players you add in uh, terrence ferguson who's a top two player at his position at guard and then james brockermeyer the number one center uh this offensive line class is just really nasty and i think you know if these guys can Stay on campus, continue to develop. I mean, they could all be the future of the offensive line at their position. So full class, Jaden Roberts completes that. And uh, I think, again, he's a big body. I'm, I'm ready to see him in person next to Damian George to see two behemoths from, from North
0: Shore down there. Man, how happy is Doug Marone after coming from a place where you weren't always sure everyone was all that interested in playing football? He is taking on a number of potential first-round picks who are probably more motivated than the guys he coached, for the most part, with our Jacksonville Jaguars, Charlie. So, Doug Marone, big winner in all this. (laughs) I'll say. I I did want to ask, since I I got the sense that this is winding down, this is
1: being recorded, right? You're not pulling a Shannon Sharp and telling me at the last minute this is on live TV?
0: No. No, I would never do that to you, Charlie, at least not that you know of. (laughs)
1: <laughs> did you see that though the the Julio conversation that he had on FS one this morning?
0: I did catch the clips. Um, I haven't heard anything else from Shannon or FS one, but yeah, that wasn't a good look. But hey, at the end of the day, and the way things work today, as you know, um, FS one ain't ain't sweating it, you know I mean it's it's poor form. If Julio didn't know that he was on national television, kind of revealing his plans for the future uh, in a way that he probably wouldn't otherwise. But, you know, I don't think FS1's too worried about
1: it, Charlie. Probably not. They got the views. They got the clicks. They're happy.
0: Yeah, it's viral.
1: Yeah, but, uh, It just seemed out of character for Julio to just be that open about it he's usually pretty tight-lipped that's
0: what i mean I, I couldn't imagine he knew did you think he knew
1: no and even when you could hear the the host say it in the background i don't know how well he could hear them but you know shannon just kind of said it off the cuff at the close and i still don't know if if julio was well aware i'm sure he knows now and uh you know we'll see what happens from that but you know with you have a player of that caliber you usually don't hear them uh well I, I say that at the wide receiver position, you never Ooh. know who
0: you're going to get. But Julio's been next. the exception. Yeah, you know, he's, he's the anti Yeah, he really is. So that will be interesting to follow, no doubt about it. And speaking of follows, we hope that you'll continue to follow us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast, a rating and a five-star review or a five-star rating and a review or both five stars would certainly help us out a lot. As always, Charlie appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to us keeping the subscribers and Alabama fans up to speed as we get these new guys into the program and see how this 2021 Alabama football and men's basketball teams take shape.
1: Yeah. It's always good to kind of get to this point because it, It feels like the first baby step toward the season. Now, SEC media days is always kind of when you feel like it's really happening. So we still have a couple months to go. But when these guys get on campus, you start to see those workout videos come out of the summer and guys, you know, just working together and doing stuff on their own. So getting closer and closer. Well, we're under 100 days now. So it's going to happen here pretty shortly.
0: It is going to happen. It is going to happen. Something we couldn't say for sure. At this time a year ago. So uh, we like the the certainty of that this time around unlike 365 days ago at this time. Hey, Charlie, thanks again, man. We'll do it again next week. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Charlie Potter, I'm Travis Schreier. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Keep it locked at BamaOnline.com for complete coverage of the Crimson Tide. So long, everybody.